Welcome to the Living the Dream podcast with Curveball. If you believe, you can achieve. Hello and welcome to another episode of Living the Dream with Curveball. I'm your host, Curveball, and today we're going to talk about burnout. As you all know, it's easy without even realizing it to get burnout. And so we're going to talk to a special guest about how to prevent burnout and what to do if you feel burnt out because burnt out can cause a lot of stress. So we're joined by Michael Levitt. And when he was a healthcare executive working from 6 to 11, 6 a.m. to 11 p.m. at night, he experienced extreme burnout. So we're going to talk to him about what he did to get out of that situation and what he's currently doing now. So, Michael, thank you so much for joining me today. Great to be with you today. I'm looking forward to our conversation. Why don't you start off by kind of giving a little background about yourself, telling everybody who you are, maybe where you're from, or anything else that you would like the audience to know. Sure. Uh, again, my name is Michael Levitt, and I'm the Chief Burnout Officer and founder of the Breakfast Leadership Network. Organization that's based in Toronto, Ontario, Canada, and also has a footprint in San Diego, California. So uh, quite extremes, especially this time of year. Uh, but my organization was founded to help organizations and individuals with burnout because I had my own burnout situation that you had briefly mentioned you know, back in 2009. Um, I've been a healthcare executive for a couple of years and I was working from 6 a.m. to 11 p.m., seven days a week, solid two years and that took a pretty significant toll and what happened over a period of a year from may of 2009 to may 2010 the following happened i had a heart attack that should have killed me i lost my job during the great recession my car was repossessed by the bank and my home was foreclosed all in a year and all of those things happened because i was burned out i wasn't taking care of myself i was making mistakes at work stressed, I wasn't sleeping, I wasn't resting, and it took a physical and mental toll on me and nearly cost me my life. Now, after experiencing all of those things, I had to rebuild, and I did, and I went about it very methodically because I wanted to make sure that I never burned out again because I knew that, you know, if I get burned out again, it, you know, it could finish me off, and I don't want that, so I did a lot of research and a lot of internal review of my my habits, my behaviors, my thought patterns to see why I burned out. I knew what burnout was, but I researched on it, but I needed to know why I burned out and what was going on so I could design my life to make sure that I don't do that again, which I was able to do. And then after a few years of going back into the healthcare and leading organizations a lot smarter than I did. I noticed a lot of my counterparts in the healthcare industry were burning out. And I realized that burnout was not something just limited to me. It was running rampant in healthcare. And as I did more research, I realized it was rampant in pretty much every industry under the sun. And I thought, okay, I need to do something about this. So I started writing about it, launched my own blog, wrote my first book, which chronicles my 369 days of worst case scenarios back 
2009 and 2010 and just started working with organizations and speaking at conferences about burnout and, and how to prevent it and how to recover from it quicker than you may think you can. And that's what's been keeping me busy uh, for uh, several years now. And I, I enjoy the work that I do. I wish I didn't have to do it. I wish burnout didn't exist because I know what it can do to people. I've seen it happen more often than I want to with people and families and organizations. I'm taking my experiences and the tragic situation that I face to help others uh, either recover from it or hopefully prevent it from happening to them. So what were you doing when you were working as a healthcare executive that you had to work from 6 a.m. to 11 p.m.? That's 17 hours a day. Were you a doctor? No, no, I was a healthcare executive. So I was a CEO or an executive director for the healthcare organization. And I was responsible for recruiting staff, recruiting physicians, working with a very active board of directors uh, and a very active community. Uh, and working in, it was based in Windsor, Ontario. Uh, so our funding in, in Canada for healthcare is funded by the government uh, instead of like the US, where it may be funded by insurance companies. And when it's government funded, they they want to see certain metrics and they have a lot of reports and all of that. And it was a startup organization. So a lot of time and effort, if anybody that's ever worked in a startup knows there's a lot of hours, but the work never stopped. I was never able to segue from startup type of role into, okay, now things are moving along. I just kept working and working and constantly connected. And, you know, this time, you know, the smartphones and all that were just starting to come out. The iPhone, for example, was only out for a couple of years uh, when all of this took place. So, but I had a BlackBerry. So it was you know, basically the same thing, constantly getting messages and having to deal with things. And I didn't establish boundaries around when I would work and when I wouldn't. So yeah, that's you know, one of the big reasons why I was working so many hours was I just didn't shut off of my work. And a big concern that I have today, especially with this pandemic and people working from home all the time, is many people are doing the same thing. They're working much longer hours than before the pandemic, and they're not shutting off from work. We, we've lost the visual cues of going to work and then going home. Well, for many of us, our work and our home are the same place. And we don't have boundaries around, okay, now I'm going to stop working now, shut down the laptop or turn off the computer, you know, switch off you know, any devices or apps that use you know, work-related things and focus on the things you should do when you're not working. And unfortunately, a lot of people haven't you know, established that boundary. And that's why we're seeing a lot of people burning out, even though they're home. Uh, and it's, it's a big concern of mine because, again, I know what burnout can do to people. And I want to help people avoid you know, having their own universities. So let's talk about your burnout. You said that after you burn out, you had to figure out why. So we know that your health burn out because of probably the stress of working and all that. But do you feel like it was your health first or it was your mental? Because obviously, you know, you had to kind of recover from your heart attack. But which one do you feel like that made you realize, OK, I'm burned out here. I need to kind of redo some things. Well, the heart attack was definitely the wake up call because 
when you're laying on a bed about ready to get some stents uh, inserted in your left interior descending artery, which has a name called the widowmaker. Because usually, if people have heart attacks and the blockages are in that artery, they don't tend to survive. So I'm very fortunate to be alive. And even my cardiologist that performed the procedure told me that. He said, you don't know how lucky you are to be here right now. Um, he was actually quite surprised that I was alive. Uh, and that was a wake-up moment for me going, okay. And at first I thought, all right, what am I doing from an activity standpoint, from a nutrition standpoint? You know, what, am I, what am I doing? And I realized, okay, well, I can exercise more and I can eat better foods for me and all of that. That was, you know, fairly quick to adjust, but the mental aspect of it was, you know, the driving force because having to think that I had to work all those hours and try to be the best director I could be and, you know, meet all the demands of the role and not protect myself was stressing me out. So even though I was having the physical ailments of it, the mental aspect of stress and not being able to sleep well and all that will contribute to the physical problem. So to answer your question, I would say the mental aspect of burnout um, is you know, the first domino, basically, to really create a lot of problems for people. And the physical side of things can follow up afterwards because your body's too busy trying to deal with the stress. So let's talk about what your company is currently doing now and how you are helping people detect burnout and showing them how to get past it or revamp to where they are not experiencing it. One of the things that I've been doing over the last couple of years, and especially during 2020 during the pandemic, is speaking at a lot of conferences and with organizations about their teams and making sure that the organizations aren't contributing to employee burnout. You know, there's a lot of great organizations out there that are deeply concerned about the well-being of their employees because if they lose their employees, then they have to replace them. And hiring new employees during a pandemic is, is challenging. You don't, you don't get to you really get to know that employee uh, because you don't see them very often. So it's, it's a challenging situation for a lot of organizations to face that. But w- the key thing that I, I tell people, whether it's speaking at a conference or working with an organization to basically encourage their, their teams to establish some boundaries around where you work. The key thing is you have to get executive buy-in because your leaders, your presidents, your CEOs, your upper manager, your upper managers, your middle managers, set the tone for how people work. And if your manager or your director or your executives are sending you emails at night and weekends, your employees think, well, that's how we have to behave. And you know, most organizations, quite frankly, don't need to send emails at night and on weekends. Not, not everything is an emergency. And you know, I, I joke with people a lot, but unless outside of your building, there's a sign that says emergency on it, then don't use the word emergency. Because that's reserved for the emergency department of hospitals. Uh, urgent, yes. Big priority, sure. But not emergency. And a lot of people automatically default to it's an emergency. Everything has to be done right now. And most things don't have to be that way if you plan accordingly and you have systems in place to catch some things. 
And a lot of organizations lack some of that because they, they don't take the time to communicate and plan out how things should roll out. And it's you know become apparent, especially over this last year, because a lot of those gaps in policies and procedures came to light when everybody was working outside of the office and not uh, at cubicles or in their offices and office buildings, because it, it really brought to light a lot of the shortcomings that some organizations were dealing with. So they've had to you know, work through a lot of those things. But one of the things that we've seen over the last few months is a dramatic increase in mental health claims that are being filed with insurance companies. So a lot of organizations but frankly, they're going to be looking at higher insurance premiums coming up because a lot of their employees have been going out on stress leave or medical leave due to you know, stress and fatigue and, and all of that. And working in, in the healthcare sector, especially in the primary care or your doctor's office type of thing, the majority of visits, and even costs and colds even, but the majority of visits that people have are stress-related. There are over two dozen chronic diseases that stress is a common element of it. You know, the stress that people face created the scenarios for those people to come down with chronic diseases like diabetes or hypertension or a variety of other uh, challenges that people face. Stress is a component of those. So if you don't have stress in your life or reduce stress, that's going to help you fight off you know, the chance of you know, coming down with a chronic disease. A lot of people don't realize that, but again, the majority of the visits that we saw in our clinics had stress as a component of it. And this was before the pandemic. As I left uh, healthcare before this pandemic. I, you know, I feel horrible for you know, my former colleagues in the healthcare sector because they've had a rough go of it, as have anybody that has been in front lines or essential workers that have worked and put themselves at risk. For all of us, you know, while you know, so many of us have been working remotely and working from home, a lot of people don't have that opportunity. And they're going out there every day, risking their lives, quite frankly, and they should be supported and commended uh, and compensated uh, you know, quite well because you know, they are risking their lives. Absolutely. You definitely got to keep that stress level down. So let's break it down here. Let's start with the managers, CEOs, the decision makers in a company. What advice would you give them if they notice people having burnout? How would they direct them and, and instruct them to deal with it? And on, on the employee or personal level, what advice would you give a person that might be feeling burnout in regards to how to deal with it, what to do so it doesn't end up at the level that you got to or worse. Yeah, well, we'll start off with the, the second part, the employees first. Uh, there's some key things that people can do to uh, alleviate burnout and, and stop it in its tracks quicker than you think. Uh, a key component is making sure you're getting restful sleep every night. Uh, and there's components to help you with that. But I, I tell people, if you're going to spend money on things, and a lot of people buy all kinds of fun things, you know, big televisions or the latest smartphones or tablets or whatever. I, I recommend people invest a big chunk of money to buy the best bed or mattress that you can afford uh, that's comfortable for you. Because think about it, 
where do we spend the most consecutive hours of our days? It's in bed. You know, it's, we don't we don't tend to move from that room very often uh, at night. So six to eight hours every day, you're in one spot. So it should be something that's really comfortable, including buying the most expensive pill you can afford, the right you know, sheets and bedding. All of that stuff is really important. A lot of people laugh at that, but so think about it. When you get good, restful sleep, your body is repairing the damage that we do to ourselves on a daily basis. We can live the healthiest of lifestyles, be really active, eat really good foods, but we still do damage to ourselves, whether it's from the information that we consume on the news, and of course we know news can be very negative, doesn't matter, especially with the recent presidential election, doesn't matter what side of the fence you're on, it was a negative situation for everybody involved. We're in the middle of a pandemic, so that's not that's been very traumatic and very stressful for people. So you have to limit your consumption of those things. And also, you know, dairy, breeze, water, all of other elements that we deal with, we do damage to ourselves. So getting good sleep will help tremendously as far as reducing your stress because your body will have more energy to fight off any stressful situations that you have. If you are depleted and you don't sleep well, over a longer period of time, that's really problematic because then you can start having mental fatigue and physical fatigue, which will definitely have an impact on that. Coupled with that, that ties into getting restful sleep is eating proper nutrition. And I recommend people working with a dietitian or a nutritionist to figure out the right foods for you because every one of us has some sort of food intolerance, as I have a few. And I didn't know about a lot of them for the longest time until you know I did some tests and all of that and realized that there were certain foods that weren't really good for me and what they would do is they'd mess with my gut bacteria. And your gut tends to work at night as well. So you know you wake up in the middle of the night and a little indigestion, maybe some acid reflux or symptoms or things like that. Well that impacts your sleep. And if you don't get a good night's sleep, then stressful situations the next day may be more stressful because you're tired. You just you don't have the energy to be able to fight things off. Another thing that I see common with people that burn out or are burned out is they stop doing things in life that they enjoy uh, because they don't have time. Like we all get the same 24 hours a day. It's how we schedule and prioritize our time. And when I give this talk at organizations or in person at conferences, there's an exercise that I have people do. And basically, I have them list out on a piece of paper all the things that they like doing in life and enjoy doing, whether it's going to coffee shops with a friend or going out to concerts or sporting events or swimming or hiking or shopping, whatever. And just be as robust as possible on this list. And then after a few minutes, I have them to the right of all those things. I have them write down the last time they did them. And I always hear moans and groans because people realize that they stopped doing or they're not doing things in life that they enjoy. And when I ask them, of course, why aren't you doing these things? They come back with, I don't have enough time. Well, if they've got an iPhone, I'll say, can we go into screen time on your phone, please? And take a look and see how many hours per day you average on your phone. And usually it's anywhere from four to six or seven hours a day. And I'll look at their list and there's always something on that list that they could do in less than so you think you could carve out a half an hour from your iPhone time and, and do this thing? And if they agree, yes, they can. 
then I ask him, okay, can you, do you use your calendar on your phone for your schedule? And the CF is going to go up 10 days and let's see if we can find an empty spot that we can schedule that one thing and start doing that. You got to schedule your, your, your me time. I call it my self-care time. You know, self-care is doing things in life you enjoy doing. It's not just meditation and yoga and moments of Zen. It's literally things you enjoy doing in life. Because when you do that, you're happy, you're fulfilled, you're doing things you enjoy, which will reduce the stress. Now, the first part of your question regarding if you're a manager or a director or a CEO or somebody in an organization and you're noticing your employees um, are burning out and some signs of burnout are obviously the fatigue. Are they making mistakes at work? Are they irritable? Are they just, you know, they look gray? You know, they don't look like their normal self. They just kind of look really fatigued and wiped out. If you notice something like that and you have a good relationship with them, and you know that something's off, then, then you just have to be open with them and ask, it's like, I'm, I'm concerned about you. There's, you don't seem to be your normal self. Is there something that we can help you with to get through this? You don't have to necessarily get personal because they might have something going on in their personal life. Uh, but especially if you're in an HR type of role, you might be able to you know, dig in a little bit deeper. Obviously, it's confidential with the employee and but you know seek out you know what's going on you know and and encourage them to you know maybe take some time off look at their workload because you may be overwhelming your employee with work and managers and directors are excellent at delegating work where many of them aren't really good at is really keeping tabs of how much they've actually delegated so they say well you know this is something that john or suzette can Okay, I'm going to give them that. And they give John and Suzette a lot of things and they just forget because they delegated. So it's kind of off off their radar. So when they actually look back and go, okay, wow, I've given John six months of work and expecting them to give back to me in six weeks. Well, that's not going to work. So you need to have a better understanding of what the workloads are and, and prioritize and, and get to the point where you realize, okay, these are the things that are really top priority for us to work on right now. And do whatever you need to, to help them deep focus on just those tasks and the other things they'll get to maybe, or maybe you'll delegate those to somebody else. But the end day is it really helps if you keep tabs on the, on the mental well-being of your employees because it's becoming a huge problem. And the more and more people go out on, mental leave or medical leave, your insurance premiums are going to go out. You'll lose key employees. It'll impact your business, impact your bottom line. Your customers may go somewhere else. So it's it's an investment in people. And it makes such a big difference when employers do that. Well, let me ask you, does your company have any upcoming projects, any speaking engagements? Do you have any podcasts, any books that the listeners need to know about because I feel this is a very important subject and, you know, they need a way to be able to expand on it after they listen to this episode and act on the advice that you've yeah, given. Yeah, lots of resources. I have my own podcast show, The Breakfast Leadership Show. I interview a lot of entrepreneurs and, and people. We talk about burnout and other things as well for businesses to grow. Uh, my website, breakfastleadership.com. Uh, there's a tools and resources page, which I have a ton of resources that are out there that are free. I'll just have to give me 
name and email and I can email that to you. Uh, I've got several books. I have a brand new book that just came out. And it's available on Amazon. It's called Burnout Proof. And it gives you steps on how to live a life that can be free from burnout. And uh, it was the majority of the steps that I used uh, to change my life. And let me caution people. If you're burned out, you most likely will not have to completely change your life. In my situation, I had to because the way I was living was not good. So I had to reinvent myself. But most people that I encounter, the burnout is specific to certain situations. And once they make some subtle adjustments, like sleeping better and eating better and getting more active, that helps a lot with their stress levels. And prolonged stress turns into burnout. You just you can't go from zero to burnout. It doesn't work that way. It's prolonged stress that turns into burnout. If you don't have prolonged stress, you won't burn out. So it's key to focus on, on those stressful things. Practiceleadership.com has got a bunch of resources. There's blog posts. And then my, my website has that. I'm on social media. If you look under breakfast leadership or the letter B and then fast leadership, I'm Happy to have a conversation with you or your your organization about uh, making sure the burnout doesn't come anywhere near you. Absolutely. Is there any other final advice before we go that you would like to give listeners, employees, senior management, or anybody out there that might hear this episode? The key thing is just make sure that you schedule fun and bring you joy and fulfillment in your life. Make sure that you set boundaries when you work and when you don't. You need to have hard stops and hard starts, quite frankly, to work. And work with your employer on when those things are. I know right now in the working from home world, some of our work days, the way they used to be, are a little bit different, especially homeschool our kids. There's other factors as well. Uh, But do your best to make sure that you have consistent time blocks where you are working and then when you're not. And when you do that, it'll make things a lot easier for you. Go ahead and throw out that website for listeners one more time. Breakfastleadership.com is where you can find me. All right. Listeners, please be sure to subscribe, rate, and review after listening to this show. Ladies and gentlemen, Michael Levitt. Michael Thank you so much for joining me today. Glad to be with you today. Thank you. For more information on the Living the Dream podcast, visit www.djcurveball.com. Until next time, stay focused on living the dream.